Seahawks 360 Podcast, a Sports Ethos production. I'm your host, Candace Hagens, and as always, it is a pleasure and it's a privilege to talk Hawks with you. We got another week of football coming up as the Seattle Seahawks prepare to face their division rival, or one of them at least, the Arizona Cardinals. And it'll be an interesting matchup because both of these teams are two and three. They're both coming off pretty tough losses. I think that the Cardinals may be a little bit more hungry because they were so close. It came down to the last play, and it was really an error on Kyler Murray's part. If you guys saw that game, it was simply because he slid too early that they ultimately ended up losing that really tough matchup against the Eagles, who you know, was a really tough team to beat. That would have been a real, um, a huge win for them had they been able to pull that off, but they were not able to. And so I think that the Seahawks are going to get their best punch. Now, the Seahawks are coming off of a tough loss themselves because that Saints game was very winnable. And while it didn't come down to the very last play, it, you know, there was a game-winning touchdown, you know, ultimately made by the offense and defense just could not stop anything, as has been the trend all year. And so ultimately that that's what ended the game right there. But it'll be, a, a, I think, a really interesting matchup. The Cardinals have been what I projected to be, and that is – fighting with the Seattle Seahawks in terms of who will be towards the bottom of the division. I expected that. I expected that the Cardinals would take a step back. There were just too many questions without DeAndre Hopkins. This is his final week being out, so the next time these two teams match up, D-Hop, in theory, would be back, assuming he's not injured. But it's not just that. It's the defense that I don't think got better at all and while they have a better defense than the Seahawks do their offense has not been good enough to complement it Kyler Murray has not looked good without DeAndre Hopkins it's been apparent and you know sometimes I mean, that this team doesn't tend to do well in the back half of the season so it'll be interesting to see if sort of the trend reverses and if they're able to catch fire towards the end of the season this year or if they just fall through the whole season that's interesting that'll be Something to watch for, and I think this game will go a long way towards where they'll fall. Ultimately, whoever wins this game um, prevents themselves from being at the bottom of the division this week because I think that the Rams and the 49ers have pretty favorable matchups this week. I think ultimately whoever loses will be at the bottom of the division of the NFC West. So this is an important game. Uh, I think the Seahawks, the Seahawks need to bounce back. Um I don't think they can afford to lose too many games in a row. Honestly, the defense is too bad for that. I think in order to keep the locker room together or keep a competitive atmosphere, they need to not only continue to be in games the way they have been, but they need to capitalize on some of the winnable games that they have this season. And this Cardinals team is beatable. They look middle of the pack at best, and given that it's a divisional rivalry, we are ultimately extremely familiar with this opponent. So we'll get into everything that you need to know for the game. We'll talk about the matchups and keys to win the game. So let's get into it and talk some Hawks. So before we get too into the meat of this, it's really important to talk about how important injuries are going to play a part in this game. There are some really notable names on both teams' injury list, and so I think Whoever ends up having the advantage there will go a long way to determine who wins the game. So let's talk about the Cardinals. They for sure have declared James Conner, their starting running back, is out. They have also claimed 
Darrell Williams, who is a one of their backup running backs, is out as well. Their backup cornerback, Trayvon Mullen, is out. They also have their kicker, Matt Prater. He is out as well. Those could be huge swings in the game. And that's particularly great for the Seahawks side, them having their starting running back out because, as we all know, the Seahawks running game is absolute trash. Uh, running defense, I mean, is absolute trash. And let's hope it makes a difference. Let's all hope that it makes a difference that the Cardinals don't have their top running back um, and that affects their run game that the defense can at least stop the backups. In addition, on the Cardinals side, they have questionable Tyron uh, Byron Murray Jr., who is their starting cornerback, their best one, really, that they have. And that's particularly interesting because their backup has already been declared out. Because of that, I lean towards that he, he'll he probably find some kind of way to get on the field and play, even if he's not in tip-top shape. But there's something to watch for. They also have as questionable their starting center, Rodney Hudson. That's a big deal. And they also have their starting nose tackle, Rashad Lawrence, who's questionable, and their backup guard. So they are missing some key spots here. But the Seahawks can't say they have the advantage this week either. Um, officially, the only person who's been ruled out is Penny Hart. And while that normally wouldn't be a loss, wide receiver depth is already extraordinarily low, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But Gabe Jackson is doubtful. Now, if you guys know me, I'm not going to consider Gabe Jackson as big of a loss. I'm just not. I think Phil Haynes has opportunity to be able to at least match the level of Gabe Jackson, if not play better. He's got that possibility. So we'll see. But, um... That's not something that I'm particularly sad about. Now, doubtful is also Al Woods, and that's a huge loss. Al Woods has been one of the best defensive players on the defense that didn't have a lot of good defensive players. That's an enormous loss. I mean, he's really been the only one that be able to get any pressure from this defensive line. Nobody else has really been able to get any pressures on any opponent, and that's extraordinarily concerning to say the least, but... Doesn't look like he's going to play. And at his age, doubtful to me means he's pretty much out. That's huge. And it's unfortunate because the Cardinals are a little bit banged up on their offensive line. And I'm not sure the defensive line is going to be able to do anything to take advantage of that, unfortunately. And then questionable, that's when more things get wrong. Marquise Goodwin and D. Eskridge are questionable. D. Eskridge is questionable because of an illness, so he could bounce back, but he's been sick all week. You know, honestly, no offense, but the guy needs to play. He's already been injury riddled. He needs to suck it up and take some men, you know, do whatever he's got to do. But, you know, I, I really think he needs to play. Penny Hart is already out. Marquise Goodwin, I don't know if they're going to push it with him, given he's a veteran in his age. They don't want to push him too hard and lose him for the season. The Eskers needs to play, man. He needs to earn his keep. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I know sick sick is sick, but, you know, so hopefully he ends up being able to play. But also questionable is Shelby Harris and Artie Burns. And I was really hoping that Artie Burns could sort of push Michael Jackson um, this next week and maybe kind of take over that starting cornerback role, potentially, um, aside long, alongside Tariq Woolen. He had a pretty good game in his few snaps before but he's got a groin injury and 
those things can be tricky. So I, I don't really know if he's going to be able to fight through that or not. And if he does, I don't know if he'll be able to play well enough to be able to outseat Michael Jackson, who, best off the last game, was able to at least be, you know, within playing range. He didn't have a bad game last game. So that that will be interesting. But the, if Shelby Harris doesn't play, then that's even more huge of a loss because then you're losing Al Woods and Shelby Harris. It's my hope that most of these guys who are questionable will be active to play in the game because they'll be needed, to be quite frank. Um, and if that can happen, if three out of the four names that I just named can be who are questionable, if they can be active, I, I think it'll be okay. Um, but I think in particular, D. Eskridge and Shelby Harris are the most needed. If those two guys can come out, even if Artie Burns can't, it's a missed opportunity. But you do have Michael Jackson there to feel, to, you know, to continue to do what he's been doing. And I'm not particularly afraid of this wide receiver core that the Cardinals have. So, you know, of all the games to not have Burns, I think this would be one of them. But like I said, D. Eskridge really needs to play. Otherwise, there won't be any more wide receivers. Um, they'll have to call somebody up from the uh, K. Johnson or somebody from the practice squad up. And maybe Bo Melton call him up. They probably need to call him up anyway, but it's just too thin at the wide receiver position, I think, even as much as they use their tight ends. So health will play a really big role in, you know, who comes out with the victory. It's sort of an unspoken uh, X factor almost. And you hate it when it's like that, when health plays such a big role, you really want Really, both teams should want to play them play each other at their best. But that's just not what either team is looking at. And because of that, I don't think, depending on how these questionables go, I don't think there's a huge advantage one way or the next. But um, that will be a factor for sure. I'm not going to harp on it as we go throughout the game, I mean, as we go throughout this episode. But just know, um, at the end of the day, that's going to play a big part. So let's talk about the matchups that will matter. And they're not a ton of them because, like I said, this Cardinals team is, I think, middle of the pack. I don't think they're a bad team, but I don't particularly think they're a very good team. Uh, I think they can have good moments and play well at times, but I don't know that they're going to be consistent enough over the entirety of the series of this of the season to really be a very good team. But one of the matchups that I think will be interesting to watch is DK Metcalf versus Byron Murphy. Now, there have been a lot of back and forth between these two. For whatever reason, when the Arizona Cardinals and the Seahawks play, Byron Murphy does not seem like he's had a lot of snaps. I went back and I looked through some PFF stats, and at least for the games last season. And it looks like they the DK only had, you know, one or two targets each time they played each other again with DK versus Byron Murphy. And, and not many more with Tyler Lockett either, so... That's interesting that they haven't really made it a point to have Byron Murphy on DK. And maybe that's because of size or whatever, but that's not something that's been a point of emphasis. I don't know if that will change or not. It'd be interesting to see if that strategy continues. But based off what, what we know, DK hasn't had a particularly strong game it, versus the Cardinals, period. Right now, his career high in uh, against the Arizona Cardinals it's 51 yards. I mean, sorry, 58 yards. That's not a lot. I mean, it's not terrible. Most of the time, it's more like 30 yards or less. And his last game against the Cardinals was his best. So like I said, and that was the final game of Russell Wilson with 58 yards. He had 11 targets that game. But historically, 
Russell Wilson has and DK have struggled to find their rhythm, particularly against those Arizona Cardinals teams. For whatever reason, they weren't able to get on the same page. Sometimes those would be the games where you'd see long stretches of time where Tyler Lockett would kind of have those better games against the Cardinals and, and DK would falter or, you know, he just wouldn't get the targets. They'd be the long, these long stretches of time where, you know, DK didn't even get targeted against the Arizona Cardinals. That seems to be those games, at least to me, those come to mind when you when you think about games where DK didn't get targeted. It was often against the Cardinals. And so I'm curious to see, will that change? Um, can DK beat his career high and get more than 58 yards? I think this is a great game for him to have, you know, a breakout against Byron Murphy and this Cardinals team. I'll talk a little bit more about all the things that go into that soon, but it's not been for lack of targets with DK. Um, at least last year, his first game against the Arizona Cardinals in November, he had 31 yards on eight targets, but he only had four catches. And like I mentioned, he had, in his last game, it was his best game. He had 58 yards, but that was only 11 targets, um, and he only caught five of them. So something's going on there. I, I don't really believe that their corners are just so good that they're able to challenge DK. I don't know if it's coincidence. I know DK doesn't have the best hands. But looking back at it, stats don't look good for him. So this is an opportunity for him to sort of change that pattern. I think he can do it. So that's one matchup to watch for. And the next one is going to be Eno Benjamin, who is going to be now starting running back, versus the defensive line. Right now, Eno Benjamin averages about 4.5 yards per carry. Um, and that has a lot to do with his games against worse or defenses like the Panthers and uh, but he's not really had an opportunity to start up to this point so those are that's on no more than eight carries I mean nine I think was his max carries that he's really attempts that he's ever really had in a game so it'll be interesting to see if the Seahawks can hold him under that I think it's possible I mean the good defenses have been able to stop Inu but we know this is not a good defense can they keep him in check right can they make them not depend on the run game in that manner? Can you can you really get them to focus on the pass game? Because that's really what the Cardinals want to do anyway. They don't really want to spend a lot of time running the ball. They got this whole spread offense concept that's supposed to be built around Kyler Murray and his strengths that King, Cliff Kingsbury wants to do. So they're not going to run the ball unless they feel like that's the only way they can win. And so you you don't want to. I don't think you have to force this team to pass. They want to pass. You just have to make it to where it's not clear and obvious that they have to run. You know, you just want to you want to be respectable, right? Not be god awful. Prevent Eno Benjamin from having 150 rushing yards. Keep that in check. Keep him under 85. If they can do if they can do that, um, that's a key matchup to watch for sure. Especially given the the loss of Al Woods and the potential loss. Of Shelby Harris. It'll be a really interesting to see for sure. Another matchup that I want to watch is Marquise Brown versus Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen is coming off of his best game so far in his rookie year. He played excellent in coverage. But Tariq Woolen has seemed, at least early, we don't have a ton of background, but he seemed to struggle in his first two games against a Jerry Duty and a Brandon Ayuk, those smaller, shiftier guys. He seems to struggle with the start and stop routes 
Um, that probably wasn't his game when he was a wide receiver, so he struggles with with that a little bit more. Sometimes he can get turned around, especially because he doesn't have the most sound technique. That's not the strength of his game. It's his technique. So he struggles with that sometimes because technique is important sometimes when you're going against those smaller, shiftier guys. Um, what foot you push off of and all of that, they can take advantage of those types of things. And I want to see how Tariqa hold up. I don't necessarily expect him to get better than he did, you know, have a better game than he'd had before. Up to this point, Tariq has gotten better every single game. He's not, if you look at his PFF ratings, he's he's went from a 48 on. He's just continually grown up to 70, 70.3, I believe is what he was last week. So he's just continually grown in every, in each area, each week. He's not had, a, had to take a step back, but if there was a game I thought he could, not that Marquise Brown is just this huge threat, but like I said, I just want to, I'm curious, was the smaller shiftier guys because those were his first two games? Or was it because that's sort of a weakness in his game? That'll be interesting to watch. I don't think Marquise Brown is just this huge threat. He's he's susceptible to drops, which is great <laughs> if you're Tariq Woolen, uh, because I think that leads even for even more interception opportunities. Um, sometimes I think it'll may even bail him out when he may have, been beat on a route, Marquise Brown may could drop the ball and it, you know, Tariq will still look good. It's very possible. But like I said, I'm looking more, more, I think Tariq can keep him in check just because he can keep up with the guy. As long as he can trust his speed and, you know, sort of take confidence that he can keep up with these guys and that he doesn't have to hold and pull and do all these extra penalties in order to keep up with these guys. If he can play within himself and just be confident in his game. I think he can keep up with Marquise Brown just fine without making him a huge factor in the game. But I want to see, can he still improve? Can he still get better, even if it is against a smaller, shiftier guy? So that's more matchup of curiosity for me, just in terms of the progression of the long term of this team, more than I think it'll impact this game one way or the other. So final matchup, because like I said, there's not a lot. Generally, sometimes I have like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine matchups I'm very curious to watch. This is not one of those games. This game, the last one that I have, it's J.J. Watt versus Charles Cross. That'll be interesting. J.J. Watt is not the guy that he used to be. But he's still providing pretty solid pressures. He's got three sacks on the gear, 12 pressures. And so he's consistently getting to the quarterback. He's having impact. He's not completely done. He's still got some juice left there. And because he's a vet, he's so savvy, I think he knows he would know how to take advantage of Charles Cross and get him stuck in holding calls or, you know, get him off balance, those kind of things. I'm very curious with a guy of that caliber of intelligence vet vet savvy almost like i think abe lucas played more against cam jordan last time but but can charles cross hold up without getting a lot of penalties without giving up a lot of pressures can he hold his own can he can he do well against the jjy even at this age i think we'll go a long way if he can i think that is a clear sign he's progressed because i think maybe if this week two maybe even three, he would definitely get some holding penalties or at least one holding penalty. And he would definitely probably give up a pressure or two, you know, kind of get knocked back a little bit. I want to see him stand strong, stand strong in a pocket and 
and, and not make those mistakes in terms of getting. Now, some of those holding calls on Charles, on Charles Cross have been ticky tack, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first one to say that. But especially earlier in the season, they were legitimate, and can he avoid legitimate holding penalties and giving up pressures? A huge test for Charles Cross in terms of are you seeing the progression as the year continues for him? So that'd be a really good checkpoint. I'll say that. It's a, it's a really interesting checkpoint for Charles Cross more than it is anything else. Now let's get into our keys to victory. So, key number one to winning this game, I believe it's going to be Geno Smith. And, of course, the quarterback, yeah, I can, is duh. We know that. It makes sense. But here's the thing. The Seahawks and the Cardinals battles have been really tit for tat in large part because of the Vance Joseph defense, which throws a lot of different looks, throws a lot of different blitzes, and really requires for the quarterback to be able to read the defense pre-snap to post-snap. And that's something that is not a strength of Russell Wilson's game. Not saying he can't do it, but it's been a it's been a weakness of his, and it seems to really have gotten worse over the years. Comes to mind the pick six in the end zone that leads to the DK Metcalf of uh, DK Metcalf's chase down really to prevent the pick six. It is the Isaiah Simmons pick to to end the game. It's it's just these ways that they complicate this defense and really screw with uh, Russell Wilson and I'm just not sure that Geno Smith is going to be nearly as susceptible to that it's been a large part of why sometimes the offense isn't always able to get going especially early against this Arizona defense Geno Smith has proven that one of his strengths of his game is the ability to read defense Prince pre-stab to post-snap and get the team in the proper moves or proper um, plays to sometimes counter the blitz um that happened against the lions and lions have a similar defense where they have these different looks and they blitz and they're aggressive and gino killed them on them and he was able to really really read that and get the team in and out of plays that really might play right into gino's hands and so this offense has a chance to look much better against the Vance Joseph defense and has ever looked before. And that's why I say when I talk about DK and some of his, his not having as much success, well, part of that is because Russell's not been very comfortable with understanding where if DK was open or if he's not open or if he has time to throw, um, him not get, sometimes getting targets has a lot to do with, I think in those Cardinal games in particular, the confusion he dealt with when it came to the blitz and where she slide the pass, the pass pro, those type of things. He's just struggled with. He really has. And I just think that Gino will thrive in those types of things. And, and maybe not as much as he did against the Lions because I do think that the Arizona Cardinals are able to execute just a little bit better, obviously, than the worst defense in the league. But still, um, I think he'll be comfortable, more comfortable than Russ was. And if this team is going to win, they're going to need Geno to be able to do that. It'd be really important. Key number two is Ken Walker doesn't have to be Rashad Penny. I don't think we can expect that Rashad Penny, Penny was playing at a 
historically good level yet again. I mean, he was beginning to really catch some steam, some momentum of getting his huge explosive plays, and I don't think we can expect that out of the rookie in Ken Walker the second, I'm sorry, the third. That's not what we can expect. But I think he needs to average 3.5 yards a carry at least and get at least one explosive play. And we're going to define an explosive play as more than a 12-yard run. So he needs to basically make the defense honor him by having at least one explosive play. Not saying he needs to do what he did against the Saints and run and have this huge play for a touchdown. But if he can get a 13-yard or 14-yard, 15-yard run, um, to really keep the defense honest, where they don't feel comfortable, where they show, where he can show he has that home hitter ability, where they can't afford to just ignore the run game. And on top of that, this that one play is not going to be enough. He's also going to have to at least get over 3.5 yards average when he does get the ball in his hands, because you need a little bit of both. I mean, he's not saying he's got to be great. This run, this offensive line, especially the interior of it, is not particularly strong. And I don't know what to think of it with Phil Haynes coming in. But I do think if he can get, be respectable and have one play that makes them a little skittish, right? A little skittish, <laughs> makes, keeps that defense honest, right? Reminds them that he can get a home run at any time if you slack off and respect in that run game. If he can do that, that'll open up the pass game, allow Geno to do what Geno needs to do. He needs at least the threat of the run. And that means... Walker's got to at least be confident. I don't expect him to be huge. And if he can do all of that, wonderful. But he's still showing that he's still struggling with understanding the offense a little bit. Sometimes there's a couple of plays where he doesn't hit the right hole. He doesn't trust the O-line to, to really, for him to be able to make that cut and hit that back cut and hit. Um, I saw a couple of plays like that against the Saints. Well, really one play like that against the Saints. A lot of times the hole isn't there, but when it is, he's got to learn how to trust it, getting comfortable with the timing of, you know, the NFL speed and how fast he's got to hit those cutbacks sometimes. He's still adjusting. I think we'll see Ken Walker get more into form kind of mid-season on. I think it'll still take him a few games to get his footing before we really can see his consistent ability. Love to see him get involved in the pass game, though. I think he can be a monster in open space and I hope that the Seahawks especially with their wide receiver issues if they could take advantage of that that would be huge for him as well so that's key number two gotta get him involved in that rushing it'd be great to see him involved in the receiving game too but that rushing game must be respected love to even get him on a fly sweep or something like that they've done that in the past either him or DS Grinch, but you want to keep that defense on its heels very important Key number three, I said this before, Eno Benjamin, of all people, cannot have a career game against this run defense. He just can't. And I know he's probably going to have a career game anyway because it's his first start. But what I mean is you got to hold him to below 80, 85 rushing, rushing yards. Now, that sounds crazy, right? But everybody knows that every running back who's going up against this run defense has had well over 100 plus yards from scrimmage. Dang near 200 yards from scrimmage. And he's not really that much of a receiving threat from what I can find. So you gotta, gotta keep him contained within the run game. He's gonna, especially with Al Woods being gone, especially with um, not knowing Shelby Harris, he's gonna be able to get some run. 
but you want them to be able to focus on what they want to do, which is throw the ball. Because I think guys like Tariq Woolley, Andre Diggs can thrive. You know, I, I mean, Cordero Diggs not having a fantastic year at all. He's had some disappointing games at some, to some extent, but he's still a ball hawk at the end of the day. And I think he's had some great games against the Arizona Cardinals in particular. And so I think that's what you want. You want for them to keep passing it, potentially have Kyle Murray get an interception against Tariq Woolen, against Quandre Diggs, um, something like that. That's what you want. You don't want them to stick to the run game because that's not even what they want to do to begin with. Key number three. That's key number three. And then the fourth key, they're not a ton. Doesn't take a lot to beat this team. Keep Kyler Murray in check. That's going to be important. Please learn from the Taysom Hill thing. It's going to look a little different. I think that caught them off guard. They didn't really prepare. The coach didn't prepare that defense the way they should have for the Taysom Hill possibility. That was that. That I blame that on coaching. I really do. Should the team have done better, execute better? But these are young players. They, it just didn't work. It didn't work. Coaches should have prepared them better for the Taysom Hill packages in terms of how to defend them, etc. They know Kyler Murray. They know he's a threat to run. All right. In the past, Kyler's not had a soup. You know, too many explosive games where he just takes off in the run game and. He's just running all over the field. He's had maybe one game, maybe two, when he's had, you know, really strong running games. But the Seahawks, I think, got over the past year or so, really learned how to keep him contained. But this is a whole different team, a whole different line, a different scheme, and they struggle with the run. I'm really glad that this is a game that Bruce Irvin is coming back for because my concern would be setting the edges because Kyler Murray, he's as quick as he is. He can get along, he can get out on those edges, and he can get a lot of yards. If we can get Bruce Irvin, anybody, set the edge, QB contain will be key. Even over the pass rush this, this week, pass rush is not nearly as important because we got fast, well, at least a fast corner. Uh, Quandre Diggs is back there. I trust the secondary. It's really been the front seven that's been the problem with this defense. If they can just contain, keep him together, force him to throw, don't force him, don't, don't allow for him to just get out on the edges and run. That's how you win this game. And so those are the keys. And then finally, you guys know I always like to wrap things up with the three way, three reasons to fear, three reasons to cheer. And I think the Seahawks have pretty have reason to be optimistic. I think this is really one that they can pull out if they can just be better on the fundamentals. That's really all it's going to take. Don't beat themselves. That's really what it's going to come down to. But three reasons that I could be a little nervous. One, like I said, the Cardinals are coming off of a tough loss. You're going to get their absolute best shot. They are hungry for a win. They do not want to be last in this division because, unlike the Seahawks, the Cardinals are in win-now mode. This means a lot to them. They're paying Kyler. They extended Cliff Kingsbury for God knows what reason. They extended their GM. They are all in to win right now. Um, so you're going to get their best punch. Another reason to fear? Like I said, Kyler Murray can be dangerous once he gets out on those edges. He's so fast, he's hard to get down, hard to tackle. That's a reason to be nervous, especially against this terrible, terrible run defense. And then third, DK has historically struggled against this Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals defense. You really need him to get going. Tyler Lockett, I, I think, will be fine either way, but I think you really need, you really want the threat of both so that Geno has 
more options, you want DK to be more reliable, you want him to increase his catch percentage this week, that's important. But three reasons to cheer, three reasons I feel good about winning this game. Well, the 12s. Um, this is a home game. I think the defense will need to feed off of that energy. They'll need to feed off whatever energy they can get. <laughs> let the 12s be, let the 12s ignite them. And so that'll be a big deal. Two, I think, like I said, Geno is just a better fit. Geno's not a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, but when it comes to this Cardinals defense, Geno is better able to take advantage of some of the things that the Cardinals defense makes that makes them, you know, not so great. <laughs> um, they give you a lot of different looks, but sometimes it's not always a good thing. That can be a bad thing. I think Geno can make them pay for giving them so many different looks, more so than Russell was ever able to. And then third, the running back position on the Cardinals is a little thin. That's the team's biggest weakness is the run defense. And the Cardinals' biggest threat, the threat to take advantage of it, it's gone. So if they can just not let a backup quarterback look like a starter, I mean, not let a backup running back look like a starter in this league, they can keep him contained. And he's obviously a backup for a reason. Make him look like a backup. Make him not look so competent. If they can do that, that's easier to do than going against some of these elite talent, speed, athletic guys, right? You got a better shot. If they can do that, this team can win. So finally, if you haven't been able to guess, I'm predicting the Seahawks win. I, I've always thought that this, this team would do well. I'm sure you're thinking, Cannons, you're always predicting the win. Yeah, I thought the early the early part of the season allowed for more wins than maybe the later part of the season, so I promise I won't always predict the Seahawks win, but today I am. Um, so my final prediction is 31-27 Hawks. All right, well, we'll see what happens. We'll be here with your breakdown. Um, let, let give my reaction to how things end up going, the main game takeaways. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter at CandaceH901. That's CandaceH901. As well as be sure to follow the show at Ethos Seahawks. Um, leave a comment. Give your thoughts. Um, leave a five-star review if you're listening on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. In the meantime, that's it. I'm out. And as always, go Hawks.